For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. Here in Proverbs chapter 4, King Solomon keeps hammering away at all the invaluable benefits of living wisely. Now let's join Pastor Ross with a message entitled, A Father's Instruction. Alrighty, good evening again. We're going to get started. Proverbs chapter 4, verse by verse through the book of Proverbs, learning how to wise up because that's what it's all about, the book of Proverbs. All right, let's get started with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask that the Holy Spirit quiet our hearts and focus our thoughts on the Word of God and help us, Lord, to have ears that can hear, eyes that can see, and a heart that can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we've been seeing, King Solomon is not going to let up for one minute. He is really going for it with little sermonettes. He's relentless lecturing uh, his son in a beautiful way about the blessings of living wise. And and for our spiritual application, it's walking with God, um, honoring the gospel, doing it God's way, and all the blessings that accompany uh, a Life that is lived right before God and all the terrible things that happen when we ignore him. And so why shouldn't he? I mean, he's hammering away. There's been about six or seven lectures so far, and we're only in chapter four, right? And so, but he's a dad, and we're eavesdropping on a father who loves his son. He's probably a teenager He's a teenage boy, and that is the framework and context of the book of Proverbs. It's a dad talking to his teenage son about the virtues and the blessings of living right before God, a clean conscience, uh, and, and uh, navigating around the pitfalls in life, and which he knows uh, are ever so easy to get entangled in, uh, you know, all kinds of things, temptation, spiritual deception. It's, it's a war out there, and he loves his boy. So he's going to pass on this information about how he can uh, live above reproach and resist temptation and, and not fall into spiritual deception. So easy to do, and unfortunately, many of our friends um, who are not wise, they may be saved, but they're still not wise because they're being led astray. And so here in chapter 4, he's chiseling away, hammering away, kind of tap, 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 same thing. Uh, stay clean. Trust God. Don't do it your way. Uh, watch out for uh, seduction and temptation and be clean and all of these things uh, just hammering away. And, and it just really reminded me, the other night I was watching um, a PBS special on uh, the life uh, and times of Japan, and all, especially ancient uh, Japan. And uh, I love that. Uh, I love that country. We lived there for four years, and so I, I really enjoy the ancient customs. They, they passed down generations of um, all these artisans. And anyway, uh, something that I saw that reminded me of Solomon's approach to getting through to us and the Lord's approach uh, to his kids uh, 
is stone cutting. And I have a little picture of what they do. And that's what they do with a towel on their head, just like that. And they mark the place. And, and I was just watching these kinds of things. And I was thinking of Proverbs because just he, he lines it up, right? And he sets the little markers where he wants to split the stone. And then he starts hammering, tapping away. Not so hard. But he's just kind of tap, 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 and it just splits right in half. It's just beautiful. You know, and I just feel like, thank you for that. I feel like the Holy Spirit just knows how to line up our hard hearts, you know, and he puts the markers there and he just starts tapping, tap, 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 tap. And then when there's a breakthrough, it's not because of that one tap. It's because of a cumulative effect of all that tapping, you know. So if we're wise, we'll cooperate with the tapping so there'd be less tapping and more, and more, <laughs> and more breakthroughs, amen, amen. So uh, here comes some more tapping along the lines of, and, and it's a refrain that keeps coming around, doesn't it? Um, more pleas and reasoning to do it God's way and be blessed or do it your own way and the world's way and the devil's way and put that hammer over your head. Tap, tap, tap. And, and so here we go. Proverbs chapter 4, uh, first section, 1 through 9. Listen, my sons. And so now he's uh, including his children. He may have some daughters in there as well. Listen, my children, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching. And of course, we hear the Lord Jesus, the everlasting Father, speaking to all his children. Now, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender, and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Verse 5 says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Okay, so... Nothing incredibly new. We've been hearing these same arguments, but he, um, I can just kind of hear somebody say, you know, you know, we've heard that sermon before. And then the answer would be, are you living it? And, and it was like, uh, okay, well, that's why we have to go over this again. Is because until Rehoboam cracks his will, and a dad knows, a dad just knows uh, when he has to come around again one more time uh, with some instruction. So if you're taking notes, there will be three uh, sections here tonight. Number one, honor your heritage. Honor your heritage. Stay True to the way that you were raised in the Lord. Keep the faith that has been handed down to you. Uh, Grab the torch, the light of the gospel, the light of the truth and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and run with it. So a few strategies in this paragraph for effective teaching that Solomon is employing. So very interesting to look. And first he's saying, you know, uh, consider the source. He's saying, 
he's showing us the unique platform uh, of parenthood. All right, so he's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you something, son. No, first of all, no one loves you like I do. Nobody, like your parents. There's not a soul in the world who is more vested, has more vested interest in you, who, who has invested more in you uh, to feed you and to clothe you and to love you and to nurture you and nurture not in so many different ways to educate you, to raise you up so that you can be successful. There is nobody on the planet who cares more than I do for you. Therefore, consider that when you're hearing my word. So he says, don't forsake the words of a father. Listen, pay attention and gain understanding to a father's instruction. You see, this is very important uh, to realize. These words to live by are, are coming from the highest form of love possible, the highest concern and care for you. It's a source you can trust Okay, and, and, and he, uh, it's a source that has your first and highest and foremost, uh, your best interest. So don't forsake my teaching, he's saying. It's the teaching of a dad. It's the teaching of a mother, right? He will say at, in chapter 9, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And so uh, mom's involved here. And so uh, they carry the words of a father, these words here, they carry greater weight than other voices and would be counselors or influences. So listen, teenage son of mine, listen to a father more than the cool kids on the playground, more than the cool kids who grow up and stand at the water cooler at work, the cool coworkers, more than a voice of peer pressure, more than the new book, more than a talk show, more than the cute girl or the cute guy, uh, more than your own heart that's prone to wander, more than your own heart that is can be deceitful above all things. Outside of that is a father and a mother. And if we're talking about in the Lord, oh, don't forsake that because the motive is always for you. You will never go wrong if you're going to anchor and direct your, your life and make your decisions and precepts by certain values. The safest bet is to trust the heart of a God-fearing parent and to do not forsake the heritage that has been passed on because from one dad and mom to another son and daughter to their children to their children, it is just pure wisdom for the sake of your good. Deuteronomy says in several places, after he brings down the commands, he says, aren't these commands for your good? It's just God is not putting boundaries up for boundaries' sake. He's not telling you don't do that because he's a killjoy and wants to keep something from you. They are always in your highest interest and for your good. And so he's saying, son, listen to your mother, listen to your father in the Lord because there's nobody like them. You're getting pure, unadulterated wisdom. And if you just do what I'm saying, don't forsake it. It's a safe bet. Oh, I'm telling you, you know. The funny thing is, is that Rehoboam, listen, Rehoboam's his boy. Rehoboam, if you start going down the wrong path, guess what? 
the loved ones in your warped mind will become the bad guys and the bad guys who are enticing you to go down become the good guys, the ones who truly love you and accept you for who you are. Oh, what a diabolical, nasty lie an inversion of the truth to suddenly make everybody who loves you and wants the best for you the bad guys and the bad guys who want to use you and abuse you and, and get you to join them in their folly, they're now suddenly the good guys. So, oh, don't forsake your father's teaching. There's nothing like it. Don't forsake your mother's teaching in the Lord because you're not going to find that anywhere uh, else in the whole wide world. It's just trustworthy, just trustworthy. Jenny, Ryan, and Caleb, the best advice you will ever get is sitting right next to you, your godly parents in life. You'll never go wrong listening to them. Now that I've embarrassed the entire family, <laughs> we will move on. Consider tradition here. Now he's saying, son, listen, there are three generations here. You got Rehoboam in the paragraph, you got Solomon, and you got David and Bathsheba. Yeah, they repented, and yes, they were good parents because they are prized as people of wisdom. And so some uh, of us have had the privilege of having biological uh, godly uh, heritage. And my wife, Barb, uh, she, she, we have a Bible. I have a Bible that I inherited from their side of the family that's this big. It's just a, a thing to wonder at, to look at. It's got the names of five generations. Five generations. Her father was a godly man. At his mother lived to 95 and was, uh, was in the Lord for 90 years. And as a, married to a church planner, that's the great grandparents of my children. And so just an amazing thing he's saying, we come from a heritage of truth and that truth has been graced upon you. Do not depart from it. That's another lesson, lesson here. And so, and by the way, if you didn't get uh, the blessing of biological parents in the Lord, you know what? You've been adopted into the family. You've been adopted in. And, and by the way, what does it say? It says, uh, Paul says, speaking to the Galatians in the third chapter of Galatians, verse 9, he says this. Understand then that those who have the faith of Abraham are the children of Abraham. Anybody who believes God is put right with him as Abraham. And anybody, that's what Abraham did. He believed God. He wasn't saved because he kept commandments. He got saved because he took God at his word and God took that and credited to him being right with God. Right? right. Are you with me? Amen? Good. I need an amen once in a while. It happens on Wednesday nights. And, and so we know that we are his children if we believe God like he believed God. And so you have, uh, listen, you who say, you know, I wish I had godly parents and godly grandparents. Listen, Seth had sons and daughters, godly Seth, and godly uh, Seth passed on the truth. And then Noah had sons and daughters, right? And then Abraham had sons and daughters. Moses had sons and daughters. David had sons and daughters. 
Isaiah had sons and daughters and the rest of the prophets, and they passed on to further generations the truth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had children. They passed on the truth. Peter, James, and John, sons and daughters. Paul and Barnabas and the Philippian jailer and his family and their kids and their kids. And it just goes on and on and on. Lydia, who got saved by a river there, right? The seller of purple, her kids and to, to their kids. And it goes all the way down through maybe, what is it, 60 generations to us, right? So you got Polycarp. And, you, and you've got these big names in the church history, Augustine and Wycliffe and Luther and Calvin and, and Whitehead and Mo, Whitefield and Moody and Billy Sunday and Billy Graham and then, then my father. And then my father comes home one day with a Bible and sits there and I'm listening, right? And then I have kids, right? That's how it happens. Now, uh, he's saying, could you just keep that hold on? Don't swerve. You've been graced. There's a line. There's a family line. And the family trait is wisdom. That is who's connected to God the Father, who passed down to Seth, who passed down to the rest of them, to Adam through Seth, right? Or you can be Cain. You have two choices. You have the family of God or the other. And the other perishes. And you've got Cain passing that on to his kids and, and instead of Seth. And then you've got uh, Ham. Who knows where Ham's heart was? Uh, he brought down a curse on himself. And then instead of Abraham, what? You've got Ishmael instead of Isaac. There's always a choice and there's only two choices. It's either wisdom with the family of God and keeping the heritage that comes down from God, your father, and as evidence that you're in that line, you live wisely. And to live wisely is to live morally right before God, right? Or you're not in the family line and you're in another family line and you perpetuate that line, the Judas line instead of all of the apostles. And so he's just saying, listen, boy, live out your last name. Live who you are. You're a Christian. Live it out. Be wise. Be wise. You belong what? Paul the apostle said, we are sons of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the darkness. We do not belong to the, to the, to the night. I'm quoting 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 there. Be who you are. My father, he's saying, was a, was a son of the light. I am a son of the light. Rehoboam, be a son of the light. But you have to choose. I lay before you this day, life and death. Choose life and the heritage that God gives us as our father. And so, the, the, you know, he's also saying, by the way, P.S., uh, been there, done that. When I was a child, when I was a teen, right? He's saying, listen, the things that you feel, I felt them. Uh, the struggles that you have at school or in dating or, or in your mind, in your heart, I, when I was your age, he's saying, but here's the deal, Rehoboam, 
I've been through it. I came out of all the things that you've gone through, and I've got a word for you about it. You see, you're still in it. You're facing it. You're in your teens. You're going to be in your 20s. You're going to be in your 30s. Guess what? I've been a teenager. I've been 20. I've been 30. I've been 40, and I've been 50, and I learned something about it, and I'm going to pass that on to you. So don't swerve left. Don't swerve right. Follow. Take the torch and run. Amen? Let's move on. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it's your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they can't sleep until they do evil. They're robbed of slumber until they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Okay, so yes, stay true to the family heritage. Live wisely and take that torch and run. And don't go to the dark side. The second point here is don't defect. Don't leave the family, the family of God, to do things the world's way or your way, but be one of his. Don't defect. Now, as I've just been saying, he, he, the reason he says these things is because you have an option. Rehoboam will make some choices, and Rehoboam will make bad ones. We'll talk about that sooner or later. Now, you have options. Listen, you're always going to have Darth Vader, all right? Darth Vader will always have his asthma attack on, going on. <laughs> he will always be having an asthma attack behind his big black mask, and he's always going to be calling your name, saying, Luke, I am your father, right? He's going to call you and say, you got the wrong guy. I'm your father. Come over to the dark side. You are going to hear that till the day you die. He can never have you back, the devil. But that's not going to stop him from trying to woo you back and to shipwreck your Christian life so that you're ineffective and unproductive and you can't enjoy anything. Yes, you're going to die and escape his fate, and he's probably miserable about that, but at least he knows that in this life you were minimized because you weren't wise, because you followed um, foolishness and folly. Now, we used to have Darth Vader as our father. Okay, that's true. And Darth Vader is going to stand for the evil one if you haven't figured this out. <laughs> you were once dead in your sins, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read it to you. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the darkness of the kingdom of the air, as he's called, the prince of the power of the air. If that's not Darth Vader, I don't know who is. The spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Do you see the difference? 
Rehoboam, that's not you. Be who God made you to be. Unless, of course, it is. As sad as that could be. What can you do? We cannot get inside people's heads and make them do the right thing. As much as we would like to, I think, <laughs> at times. I know I would. It's like to give somebody a pill. Slip them a pill. You know, <laughs> they wake up. Hey, I'm feeling like loving the Lord today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we used to be related to Darth, but, you know, not anymore. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love he had for us, made us alive. Rehoboam, who's your daddy? That's what he's saying. Who's your dad? Don't forsake your dad and your mom and, and the Lord who put that wisdom in there. Now, um, how to avoid... <sighs> the wreck that he wants. You know, let's make this easy. He says, uh, as you're reading your text, let the word of God lead you. Let, let him lead you and guide you along the straight, like a straight, like an arrow, straight to the bullseye. None of this little to the right, little to the left stuff. That's dangerous. Swerving, he says, do not swerve. You know, one swerve will cost you your life. Just one swerve. One swerve, oh, a squirrel, a little swerve, you're dead. Just from a little swerve. You know, and there are people all the time, oh, I can get away with a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and watch out. He's saying, watch out, don't do that. Don't do that straight. Let the word of God guide you, do the right thing, and you'll cut a straight path all the way to the target. Now, here's some big, big strategy of not going to the right or to the left into a ditch and going upside down in your Christian life. Here's just, it's right in front of you, a beautiful piece of advice. He says in verse 14, don't even step one foot on that path. Do not take the first step. Do not entertain the first thought. Not one thought. The thought comes in, you're done with it. Lord Jesus, please save me from that thought. Done. You don't entertain one thought because if you don't entertain one thought, you'll never do the deed. Do you see? So he says, don't take the first step. Really, and one commentator paraphrased it this way, don't take that first step for you may not be master of your destiny ever again. And that's the point of the passage here. He's saying, listen, he's saying, don't take the first step. Look at verses 15 as well. Don't take the first step. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. All the ways of saying, don't get started. Don't, in other words, don't take the first hit in the locker room. Don't take the first toke. Never. Don't take the first try. Don't take the first item that doesn't belong to you. Just don't do it. Don't take the first step to sexual immorality, whatever level that is. Just don't go there. Don't start, and you'll never complete if you don't start. That's what he's saying. It's the wisdom that Eve let us know that God gave. We didn't know it the first time, but Eve said to the devil, oh, by the way, yeah, he said don't eat it. He said don't even touch it. A lot of people say, oh, she's adding to the word. I've told you my theory on this. If she were adding to the word, that would be false and a lie, 
right? And then that would be sin. But she hadn't sinned yet. She hadn't eaten yet. So she's telling the truth. God said, look, if you don't ever touch it, guess what? You'll never eat it. And if you never touch it, you'll never eat it, and you'll never die. So that's what he's saying here. Don't even take the first step for it. Number one reason is because evildoers and sinful lifestyle enslaves you. That's the first reason you don't want to take that first try. That's the first reason you don't want to, to take something that didn't belong to you or, or embezzle some funds secretly and though it was just a little bit of a thing. It will enslave you because sin enslaves. So he's saying don't take the first step because you'll lose control and sin will be your master. You know, and everybody thinks, well, I can do a little bit of this and I'll control it. Listen, the first time you click as a young man, Oh, I've heard so. <laughs> oh, in my years, the young, the men who said, if only I never saw my dad's magazines. If only when I was at the hotel and I was playing around with the stations, minding my own business, and bam, it came up and I had a choice. Oh, if I just would have shut it down and never gone there again, my whole life would be different and now I can't even think straight. He's saying, don't take the first step because you will be enslaved to sin. That's what it is. Romans 6 says, hey, he says, whoever you obey as a master, you're the slave of that thing. And so whoever sins is a slave of sin. And the Lord Jesus talked to us about that. And look what he says. He says, look, you'll be enslaved. They can't even rest or sleep until they sin. And there it is, the proof of don't get started down an evil path and do things that are wrong because it'll make you want to do it more. It always is. And and. He's saying, check these people out. How sick, one writer said, to find peace only at the price of another's misfortune. So they just can't wait to get up and get out of bed and do it again. Get some more free money. Rip some more people off. Click again, click again, click again, because you just lose control. You've lost your way. And he says, if you just wouldn't have started, now you know, Avoid the lifestyle, my son, of wrongdoing because sin is enslaving. Don't put your own wrists in the shackles. That's what you do every single time you decide, I'm going to do the wrong thing for whatever reason. You just say, just, just handcuff me. You know, put my feet in the stocks. The problem is you may have those cuffs on a lot longer than you intended. You were just thinking, oh, it's just, oh, it's just one time, whatever. God will forgive me. He's saying, oh, Rehoboam, don't think like that. Because I know a lot of guys, they're still wearing the shackles because they didn't have enough sense to say no to the first time. No to the first time. Watch out for that. So sinful lifestyle will enslave you. The second reason he gives you right here is it's dangerous. It's just dangerous to do the wrong thing. It just always has been, you know. And so he shows this by uh, contrasting two similes right there in your text. I'm pointing up there. Uh, the path for those who trust and obey God is 
Blue skies, sunshine, you see everything in front of you clear as a bell, clear as day, right? And in fact, the longer you walk with the Lord, the brighter and brighter the journey gets. You're accumulating life experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're learning from all the hard times and the good times and the blessed times. The path of the Christian who's walking with the Lord is always getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Not so, he says. This is another reason not to take the first step into darkness because that journey you block out the, the sun and then you've got all kinds of holes and pitfalls and wild animals and you can't see anything and you're just walking and it's going to be painful because you can't see that's what he's saying and, and he says deep darkness it's a darkness you can feel it's just really there's just no uh, there's no hope down Fool's Boulevard. It's just dark, lights out, and it's just waiting to just, you know, have you ever, I don't even want to think about it, but in the night, you get up, and there's a low table, and you walk straight into it with your shins. Oh, I hate that. I just have a thing about the shins and the, just, you know, you have little things like that that just drive you crazy. I'm just chatting with you tonight, you know, just, just so we're having a cup of coffee and just thought I'd tell you about my shin thing. <laughs> okay, verses 20 and onward. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for their life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Famous verse alert, famous verse alert. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve. Swerve not. Thou shalt not swerve <laughs> to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. So if we were, number one, stay true to your family heritage and live wisely and be blessed. And number two, don't sell out to the darkness, not turning from the path. Then number three would be guard your heart. Guard your heart. And as it turns out, every other part of you. Did you notice how I was emphasizing all the parts of our body? Check that, your verses out for that. And it's the way of the Christian life. It's all or nothing. Seriously. What's the greatest commandment? Teacher and the Lord Jesus Christ says, um, the greatest commandment is this, to love God with all your heart, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. You know, this business of uh, mostly and almost and, you know, your wife says to you, honey, have you been faithful to me? And you say, 99%. 99%? faithful, 99%. I wouldn't want to say that to my wife. I, I just really would not because you know what you're saying. I'm an adulterer. I'm an adulterer, but only 1%. Whatever. So this is what he's saying. Listen, you got eyes, make them work for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. You got ears, 
let him who has ears hear. That's Jesus, one of his favorite quotes. It's because he's like, I know I created you guys with ears, but I, I'm having a problem because I'm talking and nobody's hearing anything. So I'm just going to say a lot of times, do you guys got ears? Could you use them? You know, you got eyes. Can you read? Can you see? Do you have feet to go, is this firm or not? Uh, you know, use the feet, use the hands, use the eyes, use the ears, use the brain, use the wisdom, use the heart, right? That God gave you. Just, just sign it all over to serving God, trusting him so that you can have a blessed life. And, and the fact that we don't do that or to the degree that you do that, you'll be blessed. And to the degree that you're just dragging along with that, well, my ears are in, but my eyes are out, right? Which are most guys' problem. I'm listening, but I'm looking. You know, that's just not smart. As I told them Sunday, it's dumb, D-U-M. That's dumb. Yeah, okay, moving on. So how long have you had this hostility in your hearts? <laughs> I'm just checking. Let's see. Okay, every part of your heart. So he says in your text, pay attention with your ears. Watch closely with your eyes. Uh, keep them readily available, uh, these commands in your heart. Right? So hearts involved. Lips and mouths to speak what's right and only take firm paths with your feet. So you're just all in. Why? Because life is a, a war zone. It's a war zone. Life and death out there every day. Or maybe not life and death, but really light and dark and sometimes life and death too. And so I notice now, notice I should say the most famous verse in Proverbs chapter four, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Here's what he's saying. He's saying your heart, from your heart issues forth your entire life. So your heart is kind of like who you are, your mind, your, your spirit. You know, it's very hard to tell them apart, but we know what we mean when we say, I love you with all of my heart. Uh, or, or those kinds of things. And so the heart is command central. It's the helm. And from the helm comes the rest of the life. It's the source of all activity. Think about it. Decisions made. Everything you've ever done. Everything. Everything you've ever said. Everything. Everything. Was first conceived in your heart. Every place you've ever been started in your heart, everything, good and bad, for the most part. There's some exceptions when things happen in this fallen world. Uh, but for the most part, we are where we are because something happened in our heart and we acted on it, right? So he's saying, you might want to put a guard there. Now, why above all else is this more important than anything else? When he says above all else, he means uh, this is number one, folks. So guard your heart, number one. You put a guard there because it's valuable. Your heart is valuable. We've got trash day on Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, Wednesday mornings, trash pickup. So we put our, our bins out Tuesday night. And guess what? They stay out there all night long with no guard. I don't care about it. I really don't. I, I'm not like looking out the window, making sure, you know, I make sure the trash bins are well lit, you know. Uh, I don't care if someone steals our trash because it's worthless. 
right? Uh, right. You know why you want to guard your heart? Because it's valuable. Why is it valuable? It's the core of who you are. It's where your hopes and your dreams are. It's the crux of the personhood of your life. And you're going to leave that unlocked. You're going to leave the window cracked down and go to sleep and not let and, and, and not lock up and not double check the lock like half of the Christians in the world do. Whatever thought comes in, oh, look at that thought and just let it bounce you around, slap you upside of the head until you get sick of it, I guess. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be taking thoughts captive, guarding, and set like a sentry of a, a guard there, right? What I like about this is that if you walk with the Lord, you have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and guess who will guard your heart for you? The peace of Christ, which passes understanding, shall guard your hearts. So it's not like, oh, I've got to guard my heart, got to guard my heart. Walk with the Lord. Trust in him. Live open before him. Let your requests be made known to him. Live out in the light, and his peace will come down, and he'll guard the place. For you, the second reason why you want to guard the heart as the wellspring of life, it's the source of everything. And you know, Jesus said, From the abundance of your heart, your lips speak, and so everything else comes. And so you've got to be careful about that. And uh, thirdly, it's important to guard your heart because uh, there's this terrible battle going on. Now, come on. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's scripture. 1 Peter 5.8, right? Where does he aim? He aims for your heart. He Listen, I've got a picture. Don't laugh at first. It's a, the star, Starship Enterprises helm, okay? Let me show you something here. The helm of your life, the bridge, the command center is your heart, okay? Now, I just started thinking about the helm and the bridge, and I just started thinking about Star Trek, one of my favorite shows as a kid, just the one with James Kirk, all right? That was the real one and the best one, as far as I'm concerned. And all God's people said? Yeah. See? All right, listen. He's calling the shots here. The vessels, uh, you know, he's got oversight here. He's setting the course this dude's uh, tending to the shields. This guy's about the power. She's with communication, what's going on, and coming back in. She's getting co coffee for the captain. <laughs> <laughs> and he is working on PR for... I don't know what he's doing, but uh, I've never seen him before in my life. But these guys, I know what's going on. Listen, he's saying, if you, if you corrupt this bridge the ship's destroyed and do you know the Klingons always wanted to get in there and they wanted to get to that chair so bad and one time there was this episode with Spock listen to me Spock had an evil twin you remember that one and nobody knew and he got on, and so did Jim Kirk. He and an evil twin too. And the evil twins got onto the ship, and they sat there. 
this happens every day in Christian life, all right? You do not want somebody bent on doing the wrong thing. Do you want bitterness in there and unforgiveness? There, You've got her signaling out everything. Bitter, bitter, bitter. Unforgiveness. You, you know, power. There's no power, okay? The power is coming from you, from you, right? And who's calling the shots? The evil twin or the born-again self who's regenerated by holiness and the love of God and the word of God? You compromise the helm. You compromise the safety of the ship because they're going to take that ship where they want it to go. In Genesis chapter 4, God speaking to the first murderer, Cain. Cain, listen up. Sin is crouching at the door of the bridge. It wants to get right in that seat. It's right here at the door. And there she is. Just kidding. <laughs> she was at the door. I didn't know what to do there. Okay, so in comes oh, she's, yeah, It's crouching, crouching at the door. You're going to open that door. Or you're going to guard your heart so that the vessel can go where it's supposed to go. And everybody's going to be safe on board, including you and your family. Let's pray together. Heavenly Fathers, thank you, Lord. And just even in these silly illustrations, there's a lot of truth. And we just pray, Lord, that you'd help us understand and guard our hearts and to do the, do the things that Solomon, the spirit of our Lord Jesus speaking through Solomon to us tonight, that we would hear our Father's instructions and and not despise or forsake our Father's teaching, but to put it into practice. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.